Coming up on Chasing the Natty, it's bye week hell this week, and that makes the decisions you make with your rosters all the more important. Of course, Chris Moxley and I will be here to see you guys through. As always, we'll be discussing another week of top matchups, answering your sit-start dilemmas, and finally, letting you know which high-scoring matchups you could be taking advantage of this week, especially this week. All this and more coming right after this. Looking to Jared Stearns, who makes the catch and scores. What a burst! Trey Vaughn Anderson! As advertised, touchdown Buckeyes! This is Chasing the Natty, a college fantasy football podcast. All right, welcome in everybody. This is Jared Palmgren, host of the Chasing Natty Podcast. Hope you guys are having a wonderful ride to work on this Wednesday morning. Oh, Chris, Chris, come on, man. Sorry. Well, it, since Chris wanted to just get in here so quickly, Chris Moxley, welcome to the show. How are you doing tonight, sir? Good. I thought I was muted. I was moving stuff around in my office before uh, I started talking. So I apologize. I am doing great. Coming off a top 25 uh, appearance for my South Carolina Gamecocks. Feeling good. Appreciate the additional top 25 win for my Georgia Bulldogs there as well. So it's a mutual beneficial relationship we got going on here, man. We've had their number more than probably some of the other teams in the conference, despite how bad we've been recently. We had that with the win in 2019? Uh, Yes, it was 2019, yeah. Or no. 2014 and 2019. So we, listen, as bad as we've been in the last eight years or so, we always play Georgia hard for some unknown reason. That is true. Even even the other year that Georgia went on to the national championship uh, in 2017, I believe that was. Yeah, 2018 national championship, 2017 uh, football year. Um, I remember going to that game for the first time and just wondering, coming out of it, I'm like, we just beat South Carolina like 23 to 10. It felt like it was just like, not a very impressive performance given everything else we had done that year. Anyway, enough reminiscing about nostalgic performances from our teams and everything. We got a God, what do you call this week? It is it truly is just bi week hell. It's gross. It is gross out there. I have had several rosters where I will not have a single or I literally will not have a single subable player in those leagues because literally everybody on my bench so if if somebody goes out in some of those leagues i might be screwed it is it is that rough out there so many te- so many great teams are off this week for cff and we're here to see you guys through again we got we'll be discussing everything tonight we got some sit start dilemmas you guys got some interesting ones for us tonight because there's not a ton of options out there and then there's there, there's one question we're gonna get to man it's like <laughs> well we'll get to it later oh yeah um but even still, we'll, we'll, we'll be t- uh, talking about some of the better games this weekend and everything. Uh, and then obviously, obviously we'll finish up with some of the higher scoring games that you can go and dig around for players in that you could take advantage of. Again, especially if you have a roster like mine, where there was one roster I had where I couldn't fill my starting lineup because of how many people were on bye weeks this week. 
So I had to go digging around, looking at some of these high-scoring matchups and finding some guys that'll probably pay off for me this week. And we'll definitely get to all of that. But first things first, Chris Muxley, let's talk about some of these epic games that are coming up this weekend. So many teams off in their bye weeks this week, so we only get three ranked-v-ranked matchups this week. Which one do you want to talk about first? Um... I want to talk about Penn State, Ohio State, because I think that game is pretty interesting. The spread in this matchup has gone up. It opened at like 13 and a half, 14. It's continually risen. I think this could be a pretty good test for Penn State because they got blown out by Michigan, and Michigan kind of exposed their offensive stat last year and is once again bad this year. Mm -hmm. So I wonder if Ohio State could take advantage. I think they can. Their defense is playing a lot better under uh, coordinator Jim Knowles. So I just want to see what Penn's if Penn State could even keep this close. And I want to see Ohio State put together like a complete good offensive performance. Like we say that after they posted like 50 something points on yeah. Iowa and they've been they're really the best offense of the country this year. But they've looked mediocre at times, like mm-hmm. not really clicking at the highest level. So they really need to get back there to yeah. do so. Um that's so that's my that's my thought. I think it's just gonna be a really interesting game because I think Penn State's secondary is pretty good. Yeah, they've definitely, like you said, they, they've kind of gone into lulls. It's like highs of highs. Against Iowa, they started off with a pick, or was it a pick six, I believe it was? Or is it a fumble? I forget. I, they, they turned it they over. They had a pick six in the game, but they, I don't think it was their, their first touchdown. Um, but they, they were, uh, no, no, or Iowa picked off uh, CJ Shroud, I believe, ran it back for a touchdown. Yeah. And then uh, Ohio State immediately came out three and out, give right back to Iowa, and then they proceeded to score like four touchdowns in a row. Uh, like, And again, that's the highs and lows of the Ohio State offense. Like you said, you really just kind of need to see a at least like not have it all clumped together, like all the scoring drives together, all of the bad drives together. They definitely want to see it kind of level out just a little bit. Again, how hard can you really hate on them too much when they scored 54 on Iowa. Granted, a lot of that came from the absurd amount of turnovers that Iowa's offense gave Ohio State in that game, which that Iowa offense is a conversation in and of itself. But so, talking about this game, I am very interested to see what's going on with the running backs in this game. I don't trust any of the Penn State running backs for CFF options pretty much moving forward. I think Singleton and Catron Allen will be great in the future once they are the true tandem for Penn State and they continue to recruit along that offensive line and improve that. But for now, it's a little bit too much of a mess. And then the Ohio State backfield right now. I mean, Travion Henderson and Mayan Williams, it's clearly a one-two punch right there. But Again, Penn State before the Michigan game definitely had one of the better rushing defenses in the country. Obviously, Michigan exposed that a little bit. But how valuable are those two guys when they're barely registering above 15 carries per game and neither one of them are really seeing targets when C.J. Strouch is looking for guys down the field? And I don't blame them. But again, from a CFI perspective, it really is, to me, boils down to just C.J. Stroud and the wide receivers here. I don't really think anybody else I'm super comfortable starting here. Yeah, I uh, I tend to agree. I don't like this running game for either team. Just a mess. Yeah, and we can move on to the next game here. Let's go over to Kentucky, Tennessee. I was on the Ankle Biters podcast this week, and by the way, go check out that podcast. Uh, great, great time. I was hanging out with Farnsworth and Owens. Recap last week a little bit. Previewed this week a little bit. Did some start sis stuff. Absolutely go check it out. It's always a great time with those guys. 
But regardless, we did discuss this game a little bit, and the thing that really comes to my mind on this game is this game comes down to what kind of program Josh Heupel has built at Tennessee. Are they the kind of program that truly focuses on one opponent each week and they take it game by game? If so, Kentucky has no chance in this game. Tennessee's going to roll. I have no doubt about it. But that matchup with Georgia is looming next week for them. And if they really do have one eye towards that matchup and don't have their minds singularly focused on this game with Kentucky, I could see Kentucky making a little bit of surprise here. Tennessee has struggled with Kentucky a little bit in the past. Now, not under Josh Heupel, to be sure. But even still... Kentucky definitely has some uh, beef with Tennessee enough to make this game interesting. In terms of who I'd start in this game, I would, again, up Hooker, Hyatt. If Tillman's back, I start him. And I think Hyatt and Tillman are both great in this matchup. Um, Brew McCoy, it's been a real up and down year. I'd say probably don't worry about him too much. Uh, Jabari Small... Uh, no, probably not. Gonna, if, if Tennessee's going to outscore, if Tennessee's going to put some points up on Kentucky, it's not going to be through the run game. Chris Rodriguez really comes down to it in terms of like how much do we. Tennessee's defensive line has been something that I've seen a lot of de, a lot of Tennessee fans starting to push up as like one of the strengths of this team. Meanwhile, their secondary gets carved like Swiss cheese pretty much any given week. So. Will it matter for a guy like Chris Rodriguez this week, Chris? Do you think Chris Rodriguez is a startable guy in this matchup? Um, he may be, but I, I wouldn't count on a big performance, like maybe 12 to 15 points. Mm. Just game script and everything, I, I don't think it's in his favor. Mm-hmm. But like I said earlier, Tennessee's defense has definitely been carved up by Swiss cheese by multiple offenses this year, including Alabama, including the FCS team that they're playing. They were able to put up 24, 21 points on this defense last week. Um, so does that make guys like, I mean, Will Levis, obviously the quarterback, but again, guys like Barry and Brown, Dane Key, Tavian Robinson, any of those guys sticking out to you, Moxley, as guys that you would be comfortable starting this week? I don't know if I'm ever going to really feel comfortable starting Barry and Brown or Dane Key this year. Like, they're still fr- true freshmen, so it's hard to rely on them for week-to-week production. Uh, I, someone on this Kentucky passing game will have a good week. I just don't know who it's going to be, so that's my confidence level. Of, I would try to look elsewhere if I could. If not, you're still getting a high game total and a, probably a game script that supports one of those guys. Again, it's bye week hell. I think if you're staring at one of those guys on your on your ro- on your roster and you really have nobody else to plug it in, I think you can be pretty okay with any of those three guys. Just know that, like Moxley said, there's probably only room for one of them to have a really, really good week this week. Probably not multiple, so you are kind of rolling the dice and hoping that it's your guy. Last game we can talk about here in terms of a ranked v. ranked high scoring, or um, kind of high scoring, over under a 58. We got Oklahoma State at Kansas State, number 9 versus number 22, Kansas State, one-point favorite here. And we got a lot of pieces here that we can definitely talk about, Mox. But let me ask you about your favorite running back on the planet, Mox. The one who ran 13 times for 24 yards last week with Dad Gummit. Did he get three touchdowns? Dominic Richardson. Whatever. The process was right. If you're going to post that rushing line, 
I'm going to fade you every single time because you stink. That's that's the issue with Dominic. He's also hurt now. Okay, so don't play him. There we go. Problem solved. Um, He he stinks, in my opinion. And so I I feel vindicated in the the average. I do not feel vindicated in the fact that he got three goal line touchdowns. Doesn't make me feel good. Um, So who? Yeah, I mean, this is. Let's say Dominic Richardson's out this week. Like he's hurt. There's a possibility he probably doesn't play this weekend. Is there another running back at Oklahoma State that you would be then okay with? I don't know what the rotation looks like, so no. Okay, fair enough. I don't. I don't feel like we have enough information to really nail it down unless we get more, maybe through the course of the week. I like Ollie Gordon, right? But I don't oh, yeah. know what he's going to do. Um, I don't know if he's. I, I assume this could be a more of a committee approach. I know that's not yeah. really Gundy's style as much, but the first week after Richardson injury, that's probably what we're going to get to see who gets the hot hand. So I don't yeah. want to mess with this running back situation. Um, gotcha. This whole game is really interesting because the line tells me that Anthony Richardson, or Anthony Richardson, Adrian Martinez is going to be back this week. He did not uh, you know, practice was, on Monday, though. I think he's back because I don't think they would be favored if he wasn't if he wasn't playing. That's that's my read on the Vegas line with no information besides that because I, I think Oklahoma State would be favored if that wasn't the case. But that's just me speculating. Because I don't have, again, any insider information, just what Vegas is saying. Uh, I expect him to play based on that number. A little worried. I think it's a concussion, right? I'm not getting that wrong. I don't think they've necessarily said exactly what it is that knocked him out on Sunday's game. Again, it was enough to where he wasn't practicing on Monday. So it clearly wasn't just like he was banged up, nicked up. They took him out for precaution. Clearly something's going on there. I'll throw this possibility out to you as well, Mox. Is it possible that not like maybe it's not indicating that Adrian Martinez isn't playing, but maybe Spencer Sanders isn't playing because he's been banged Spencer up Sanders, and and, it's, and he looked healthy. He looked healthy in that Texas game. Like he looked way better than I thought he was going to look. Like I I was fading Oklahoma State all week because I felt like the wind and Spencer Sanders still being hurt because he was trash in the second half of the TCU game. He I think he's healthy. Like he looked really really solid. That's the that's so that's my thought process i'm approaching this game um which means that i think you can play a little bit of the oklahoma state receivers um which one do you go with i think you go with bryce i think you go with bryce and green i think it's who you go with someone will obviously be a breakout but Mm. it's i think you play spencer sanders um for sure on the other side and then you probably don't do anything else adrian martinez it's going to be banged up a little bit. Um, Hopefully that means more work for Deuce Vaughn. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. That's my thought. Pro- yeah. Deuce Vaughn fans rejoice, so. except for when they bring out Will Howard on the goal line, even though Martinez is starting. That That's that's what's going to happen, is that like Martinez starts, they get down near the goal line, and you think, okay, there's no way they throw a banged up Martinez into the middle of a goal line push, and then they bring Will Howard out there to get the job done, and then you just cry. I think Martinez plays. If that helps inform some of your starts and decisions, there, there you go. Mm-hmm. That is my that is my read on on the line, but we'll see. We will definitely see again by week hell. So maybe some of you, maybe I if if he was on my bench and I needed a quarterback to start for the week, I probably would be okay with at least if I knew that he was going to start. So definitely keep an eye out for that. All right, enough of these bigger games. Let's go ahead and get into. Some of these start-sit discussions, mocks. 
Um, first of all, I just want to point out to everybody, y'all, not a lot of people uh, putting out sit starts uh, this week. So uh, just letting you guys know next week, like, I need I need some more of these. Again, the thank you for those of you who did leave some. We got plenty of we got plenty of them to do a show and everything. But like, I got some repeats in here today in terms of people who. Uh, uh, who left questions and everything because y'all didn't leave enough questions so I try to get as many people in here as possible but I got some lucky folks tonight who are going to get two of their questions answered because y'all didn't leave enough of the wide receivers y'all didn't leave enough in the running backs like it just throwing that out there just saying get let's get some more questions in next week regardless let's go ahead and get to these quarterbacks we're going to start off with a twofer here this one comes from our friend Lenny or not Lenny excuse me Kenny Linson he is asking about Dylan Gabriel going up against Iowa State, or we can go with quarterback Austin Reed out of Western Kentucky, who is going up against North Texas this week. I'll start off on who I am going with here, and that is quite simply, I'm going to go with Austin Reed. I like the matchup between Austin Reed and... Um, Austin Reed in North Texas much better than I do the Dylan Gabriel versus Iowa State. Iowa State, for as unlucky as they have been in terms of losing their one possession games, they have kept most of their last three games very low scoring. They kept a Kansas State offense that was absolutely on fire down to only 14 points in that game. And then and they still had Jalen Daniels back then. Don't forget about that. Um, so it wasn't like they were facing Jason Bean. They also kept um, Kansas State, who's been putting up points on other on other folks, down to only ten points. Texas, who was has been able to put up thirty plus points on multiple opponents this year, they kept them down to only twenty four, and that was scraping and crawling at every point that they could get through throughout that entire game. And this Oklahoma team has been pretty hot and cold. Now, again, obviously a huge boost to the Oklahoma offense having Devon Gabriel back. If 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 um if 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 Iowa State did not have Dylan Gabriel, or if uh, Oklahoma did not have Dylan Gabriel this week, I would be picking up the Iowa State defense everywhere that I could and playing it this week. But I am sitting Dylan Gabriel as many places that I can. I just I like this Iowa State defense, and I think that they're going to be able to keep Dylan Gabriel much lower than his 29.75 points per game that he has been getting this entire year when he has started the full time. In addition, there's other things to go along with it. Austin Reed, like I said, a good matchup against North Texas. But also, he has had 51.67 pass attempts per game over the last three games. That's insane volume. They're running that awesome offense over there. Just roll with the volume. Box, what do you think? I literally have nothing to add. North Texas defense is very good. Iowa State says just roll with Austin Reed. Don't overthink it. Yep. Again, two studs here, but go with the better matchup. Next one up here. This one comes to us from a actually a first time uh, question asker. So appreciate that, sir. It is from Nolan Morris, and he asks us about Mr. Jaden Delora, quarterback out of Arizona, going up against USC this week. Very high expected uh, game or high scoring game expected there. Or do we go with Texas Tech quarterback Baron Morton, quarterback like I said out of Texas Tech? going up against Baylor this week. I think that obviously if Shuck ends up starting, then clearly you go with Delora here, but like that's kind of the obvious. It's the elephant in the room there. But Moxley, assuming Morton starts, which one of these guys are you going with? 
Uh, this is kind of easy as well, in my opinion. I think it's more in USC's defense is actually not horrible against the pass. They're really horrible against the run. Like they're, they're pretty bad against the the run, but they're 32nd in EPA per play against the pass. Baylor's defense, which we we've talked about, they lost three uh, legit starters to the NFL. So like they've mm-hmm. really struggled in that unit. Texas Texas attempting 50 uh, passes per game. Averaging 336 passing yards. I don't think that really changes this week. Texas Tech's a pretty underrated team, in my opinion. Yep. Um, so, yeah, just I'm rolling with the Red Raiders and Baron Morton. Yeah, I'm going to go with Baron Morton as well. Again, the volume is the big difference here. Again, Delora over the last three games has seen 40.67 pass attempts per game, which is very good volume. Don't get me wrong, but it pales in comparison to Morton, who's been getting 53.5 pass attempts per game over his last two starts. Morton looks like the quarterback that Zach Kittley wants running his offense. He has been very successful so far. I am slightly worried about Tyler Shuck being cleared and given a clean bill of health and that he might start this weekend. But until I hear otherwise, I'm going to assume Morton is the guy because, again, he's been performing well enough. I think this is a Wally Pipp situation where... It's hard. I don't, to, think, I don't think he's coming back as I would a say, starter. I, I, would think, say, I think it's Morton's job. I would say Morton looks like he's got this job right now. And here's the other thing. So, like, when I go and look at my passing defense stats and everything like that, um, USC and Baylor are actually pretty close. So you got um, USC, who is 56th in the country in terms of yards per game allowed. And then you got Baylor, who's 80th in pass, uh, passing yards per game allowed. And this is the difference between the stats that Mox uses versus the ones that I'm using. And again, it once again points to why you should be going with Morton over Delora here, even though they're relatively similar in yards given up per game. Moxley points out in his stats with the EPA per play that Baylor has given up more points just on the scoreboard in terms of in terms of the pass than USC has been given up this year. Teams are more likely to get it down near the goal line on USC and then run it in themselves versus Baylor. They're more stout down there. You're going to have to pass it to get into the end zone, which means it's going to force Morton to be passing to get points. That gives you more touchdowns. That's going to give you more upside with Morton. Did I explain that pretty well, Mox, there? Yeah, I I like I prefer using EPA over most stats because uh, it's an explosiveness weighted metric, and I think that's the best indication of how good a defense is because you can be good on a play by play basis, give up like six yards, six yards consistently, mm-hmm. versus give up six yards, six yards, six yards, forty yard play. Yeah. So I I like using EPA per play, so that's why I cited a lot on here. But it's really just like an explosiveness weighted metric that in my opinion, gives you the best indication of what the defense quality of the defense is and what you're expecting, expecting from uh, an overall game script versus like a singular play basis. So yes, that, that is the distinction. Um, yep. But yeah, I, I, I mean, I generally speaking use EPA a lot so that if that helps the, uh, the listener kind of understand why a little bit. Yeah, and again, like and again, I think it's good that we're adding kind of different perspectives on different stats to look at here and everything. Because again, you could go basic and you could go kind of what I do a lot of times and just look at the passing yardage that a team's given up each week. But also, again, you can go into the more advanced stats like Moxley does, and he finds a lot of good nuggets there. So no problem with that whatsoever. So yeah, to reiterate, Nolan, again, we're both going to be on Baron Morton here obviously keep an eye out for any kind of situation that involves possibly shuck starting but at the same time until then roll with morton moving over to the running back situation we have our first 
three-way play tonight. This one comes to us from our friend Drew B. He's been he's had his question answered on the show several times, but he gives us great questions every week, so he comes on the show quite a bit. So he shout is, out Drew B. Yeah, Drew B. Man, doing great. Um, three-way running back situation here. He is asking about Mr. Mayan Williams, the running back out of Ohio State, going up against Penn State this week, or we could go with George Halani, the running back out of Col- or out, running back out of Boise State, going up against Colorado State this week, or. We can go with Jordan Mims, running back out of Fresno State. He's going up against San Diego State this week. When we talked about the Ohio State-Penn State game, I kind of already gave my thoughts on not really trusting the Ohio State backfield this week. The volumes just were not really there, especially now that both he and Travion are at least said to be both healthy. So they're both going to be given opportunities. I think it limits mine's upside. Penn, I expect Penn State to hold Ohio State at least to a lower amount than they've been given last couple of weeks. Touchdown opportunities will be lessened a little bit between the two. Mayan Williams is definitely the odd man out here for me. That brings it down between George Holani and Jordan Mims. And looking at the show sheet here, Chris, I think you and I might be on opposite sides on this. Because oh. I am going to roll with Jordan Mims. I am looking at a guy who's going up against the 74th rushing defense in the country, which is very similar to Colorado State's for the most part. Colorado State definitely a little bit worse at 85th rushing yards per game allowed. However, I have to kind of move towards the guy with volume here. Jordan Mims has been getting about 21 attempts per game over the last three games. And just this last week, he had 26 attempts for 165 yards. And a touchdown, 6.3 yards per carry. Pretty much his best performance of the entire season. Went up against New Mexico. New Mexico is in the 50s when it comes to rushing defense a lot per game. So it's not like he is. He just completely took on a defense that was just objectively horrible at protecting against the rush. I think I'm going to, again, I, I'm going to roll with him over George Holani, who's only seeing about 16.33 attempts per game. Ashton GNT. Although he's kind of banged up right now. Both he and Ashton GNT are kind of banged up right now. So I think their carries are going to be limited or split even more than they have been. I And I think this Fresno State offense, now that they're kind of getting over the loss of Jay Kaner a little bit, their quarterback Fife is kind of getting himself into rhythm a little bit more. They've looked better and better each week on that offense. I think I'm going to roll with Jordan Mims out of these two. What are you thinking, Mox? Yeah, I'm a George Helani. Um he didn't play last week. He was hurt. Uh, Ashton GNT played and was all right. But I think there's a chance GNT doesn't play this week, which means that I think George Lani monopolizes the backfield. I have Colorado ranked 122nd in rushing defense. Um, I have San Diego State ranked 32nd. So I have a pretty big, almost 100 team gap between the two. I, I just think the San Diego front seven, San Diego State front seven is still pretty good. They didn't lose a bunch to the NFL. I, I mean, I think they will this year with uh, some graduate and seniors. But the D is, in my opinion, still pretty good. So I worry about Jordan Mims. I think that New Mexico State's also just a really bad team. And I, I think that Fresno State was... No, just New Mexico, Panthers. not New Mexico State. Oh, sorry. Both teams are really bad regardless. <laughs> I, say, I'm not, I'm not saying, I don't <laughs> think that made that teams. much of a difference. But I just want to... Just in case it yeah. did. Yeah, it, no. I, I Both are ranked, like, bottom 40 in... Um, rush D in my numbers. So I lean Halani here, even if Gene T plays, I'm a little nervous, but 
I, I'm going to go with Halani with the thought that he doesn't play. And if he does, I'm still going to go with Halani because I think, well, God, now I'm torn. I'm going with Halani. That's it. Final answer. Yeah, just just stick with your gut. Uh, I'll, I'll roll with Jordan Mims here again. I understand the argument for Halani, but again, Jordan Mims getting about five more touches per game definitely speaks to me, regardless of even if even if you think that San Diego State's defense is pretty good. I I like the opportunities there. And also, again, Fife isn't the passing quarterback that Hayner, that Hayner was, and so that provides a little bit more opportunity for Jordan Mims to score on the ground than really he would have had even with Hayner. So as long as they can get down the field, that's kind of been the big thing with Fresno State lately. But again, coming off their best performance... So far, under five last week, they scored 41 against New Mexico. So hopefully they keep it rolling. Moving on to... God. Moving on to our next running back question here. And I don't mean to... I, I don't mean to be, like, so dismissive here. Because it is a question, and there are situations out here like this. So Mr. Michael Erickson, appreciate this question, man. He has running back out of Florida Atlantic, Johnny Ford, or... You can go with running back Penny Boone out of Toledo. These are two guys that are averaging roughly about five fantasy points per game this year. I understand there are some desperate situations out there. There are campus to Canton leagues out there I know that do not allow waiver wire pickups pretty much throughout the entire year for the most part. Um... And so you can get stuck with situations like this. And also, this is probably one of those rosters where you, people told you, oh, yeah, you can find a ton of CFF value in, like, round 45 and 50. And then these are the guys that you grab. Um, but, yeah, so where do we go with this one, Chris? Because I – this is this is a little okay. gross. Have, Again, sorry, Michael. Yeah. I have thoughts. Um I think you have someone better in your roster to play. Unless every single other player is on by, I find it hard to believe. That's my first thought. That yeah. like there's a receiver or even a tight end that you can plug in and have higher. I, was, I, I agree. Like there's just a backup tight end you have on your roster that can probably do like, better than is, these guys. Yeah. Second, these are both backup running backs for their respective teams, right? Johnny Ford's kind of been relegated by Larry McCammon, and Penny Boone's been relegated by Jacqueline Stewart. Ford is still at least getting involved. Yes. To the in a way that Boone isn't, especially in the passing game. So if you're just looking for points, man, like I think you go with Ford. It's just I don't have that much analysis on this one. I just don't like I. I just think you go with Ford. Um, it's I think a little bit better matchup with UAB. You can run again a little bit against UAB. Uh, I think DeQuan Finn might be out for Toledo this week, and mm-hmm. so I. I don't really want to rely on any piece of that. Toledo offense to get me points either. Just my two cents. Yeah, again, it it's it's not great either way that you kind of look at it here. This is definitely a desperation play, either one of these guys. I'm with you. I'm probably gonna roll with Ford because yeah, he gets probably less than ten per ten attempts per game. But Penny Boone is literally just a complete roll of the dice. Cause like he's had a game where he's had 20 carries. In that game, all of a sudden, he just got the hot hand. They kept giving it to him. But are you really wanting to rely on that this week? And even when he got 20 carries, he got like 80 yards and no touchdowns or anything to go along with it. So it's not like he was a guy that just took over a game. 
I would probably just go ahead and take the floor with Johnny Ford, especially if this is a PPR league, like Moxley said. Ford does get involved in the receiving game quite a bit, so probably roll with Ford there. Please look around your whole roster. Make sure you're not overlooking someone, even if it's just like a tight end. This is pretty. These are pretty uh, crappy. Uh, it's like, like, I, I, this I, might I, be like a twenty. I'm in like a twenty-four how, team league too, where like I was saying, like, how many running, how many running backs are we starting here? Like, is this like your fifth running back that you're starting? I just look around. All I'm saying. Also, check to make sure there's nobody sitting in your flex spot that you forgot was just sitting in your flex spot that you can move up to running back and then put a wide receiver in at flex or something like that. I've done that before. Again, not, again, I'm not trying to make anybody feel dumb here. I've, I've made these kind of mistakes before, so that's why I'm suggesting to you all, double-check your lineups and everything. Make sure you cover it completely, because, again, things like that sneak by you all the time. So let's roll with our... Let's go ahead and get to the wide receivers here. First wide receiver question... This one comes to us from Benjamin Jacob. Uh, again, long-time listener to the show. Asks us questions all the time, so really appreciate that, uh, Benjamin. He is a, asking a three-way here between Mr. Caden Prather, wide receiver out of West Virginia, going up against TCU, or we can go Dorian Singer, wide receiver out of Arizona, going up against USC, or we can go with Xavier White, wide receiver out of Texas Tech, going up against Baylor this week so here's my thought process on this this would come down between prather and white if i wasn't worried about miles prize finally coming back this week because miles, xavier white has been filling these the slot that miles price would have been these last couple of weeks it, like i believe it was nate uh nate marquise put out a tweet talking about how literally the moment Price goes down, he's not playing. Xavier White comes in and basically puts up the exact same stats over the next three games that Price has been out. So there is going to be a clear drop-off for White if Miles Price comes back into the game. So that's my worry there. But again, if Miles Price isn't there, again, he, he's, he's great. He's been getting 9.3 targets over the last three games, or targets per game over the last three games. Has gotten a touchdown in each of those games, so they clearly look for him whenever they get down near the red zone. But compare this to Prather, who I believe now has taken over the wide receiver one role for West Virginia. He's going up against a TCU offense that, or defense that is 101st in the country against the pass. They've been getting explosive plays all year long. He's been seeing about 10 targets per game. I would say go ahead and play Prather and keep an eye out on the Texas Tech situation. But even if even if Price doesn't come back, I'd probably still roll with Prather. And I like Singer. He's been getting 8.3 targets per game over the last three games. He's going up against a pretty, uh, again, USC's um, passing defense in terms of yardage per game isn't great. But like we kind of mentioned earlier, they don't give up a lot of points through the passing game. So it's not unlikely you're going to see a touchdown out of Singer compared to these other two guys. So I'll probably roll with Prather out of these three regardless. Mox, what are you thinking here? Yeah, th this is a tough one for me. I If Miles Price doesn't play, it's white, is my first thought. If Price does play, it's I think it's Dorian Singer, um, even though I think the USC pass defense is pretty okay. 
that totals like 76 points. I mean, yeah. they're going to score. Yeah, we'll get to score. that here in a bit. Yeah. So my so and Singer has basically operated as a deep threat all year. Uh, Jacob Kelly operating a little closer to the line, and and McMillan kind of as the big threat. Um, so I think I'm going to go with Singer. I mean, they're all honestly fairly similar. This is a really good question. Yeah. To be honest, I, I think this is like a legitimate. I had to really dig into a couple different stats here to figure out where I wanted to go, but I think I'm going to go with Singer here. I. I just don't like this West Virginia offense. Like, I really don't. I think JT Daniels is awful, and he just he just been really bad all year. I mean, Prather's under ten yards per reception in his last three games. He just like isn't getting open deep. So even if he has ten targets in this game, what's he gonna have like six for fifty yards? Like, I don't mm-hmm. know. So I'm go- I'm gonna go with Singer, who I think can at least hit a couple explosive like big plays. I think those are very good arguments, and I I again. Sorry to say it, Jacob, but again, like Mock said, this is a really good question. So you could really make arguments for all three of these guys. And honestly, again, I think it sounds like, again, Mox and I are both in agreement that if Price doesn't play again, White is a really good play here. And I would probably roll with him out of these three. So keep an eye on that. And then out of the other two, probably flip a coin between Singer and Prather. I think either one will do you well. So... Next one, moving up here, we are going between, we got Caden Prather again, so we're going to talk about him again, and he's going up against Trey Palmer, who's going up against Illinois this week. This one comes to us from Hockey Fan on Twitter. I am one of the biggest Trey Palmer propagandists in the CFF space. He, uh, Myself and Nate Marquise were pretty much all over him very, very early on to fill in that Jordan Addison role for the uh, Mark Whipple offense now moving over to Nebraska. He has been awesome at times this year. He's had some down games, um, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that Nebraska's offense, again, is still, I think, in the early stages of kind of transitioning. They don't have all the pieces they quite need yet. Uh, But it still has led to Trey Palmer having a top 20 wide receiver finish for CFF this year. He's been awesome. However, I am scared to death of the onslaught that he will be facing over the next couple of weeks in Big Ten play. He still has to play teams like Iowa, still got to play teams like Illinois this weekend. I believe they still have to play Minnesota as well. I think he can still get the volume. He's been getting about uh, 8.67 targets per game over the last three games. But he is going up against Illinois, who has been, again, a very, I, I don't I don't want to say shocking, because I think we all kind of knew that Brett Belima could build a pretty good defense, but they have been executing at a very high level relative, relative to the talent they have on that roster. And again, I'm definitely worried about him versus a guy like Hayden Prather. Like, again, Mox, you bring up a good point about the fact that Prather's not being hit very deep. But again, he is still seeing tagging targets per game, and he is still going up against that TCU defense, which is definitely giving up some big plays to wide receivers in the passing game. So I would probably still lean Prather here over my man, Trey Palmer. What do you think, Mox? Uh, I actually agree on this, this one, despite what I said about Prather earlier. I'm not messing around with this Illinois defense. And let's give a shout-out to Ryan Walters, the defense yeah. coordinator there, who has just been, like, awesome is the bottom line i mean just been so so good uh fun fact about walters 
he was babysat by current Chiefs coach Eric Bieniemy when his dad played at Colorado. In case you're interested in a little fun fact about I adore that coordinator Ryan Walters. So yeah, I, I I honestly don't really have anything to add. I just am terrified of this Illinois defense. And you're right to be. They're currently the number one defense in CFF. Their DST is number one. They have they have put up DST performances of top a top twelve. Oh my god, top twelve. Oh my god. This is why I don't record late at night, y'all. Um, they've given up or they have performed at a top twelve level in one, two, three, four, five. Five out of the first eight weeks of CFF, one of those, two of those actually, I believe, are bye weeks. So in terms of the six games they have played, they've been a top 12 DST in five of them. That is absolutely insane what they are doing over there right now. And again, another reason why I'm not messing with it as much as I can. Now, full disclosure, on some of my rosters, I have to play Palmer. I again, there's nobody else really out there. He's on my roster, and I need to I need to play somebody. That's how dire it is for me. I can look for people on the waiver wire, but I play some I play in some pretty deep leagues, y'all. So again, I don't think he's unstartable, but I do think Prather at the very least. If I had Prather on the same roster as Palmer, I'd easily be playing Prather. So let us get to our flexes. Uh, we got two flex questions here. This is actually the most popular uh, category, I would say, of the week. I think we had like four or five different flex questions this week. So shout out to all the flex lovers out there. And we're going to talk about first some running back versus wide receiver. Actually, both of these are running back versus wide receiver. No fun flex questions involving tight ends this week. Sorry, Chris. Um, but still, we got two good players here. We got Donovan Edwards going up against Michigan State this week, the running back in a Michigan. Or... We got Mario Williams, wide receiver out of USC, going up against Arizona. This comes to us from Andrew Peacock, and he wants us to know that this is a non-PPR league. I find both of these players quite interesting because I don't think we truly know what the role is they'll have this weekend. Donovan Edwards has been coming off of injury over the last three weeks, has been seeing his workload increase over the last three weeks. How high does that workload go? He had 16 carries against Penn State, obviously had a monster day. I think he had like 179 yards. I don't think any of us can really expect him to have 10 yards per carry on a given week, considering that he had yards per carry of like two and five over the previous two games. But even still, if he if he continues to increase, that is a very valuable piece to have moving forward. Other guy here, Mario Williams. How big does his role become if we have Jordan Addison either out in this game or just very limited and they're not targeting him quite as much, how much does that benefit Mario Williams here? What do you think about this situation, Mox? Where are you going with this one? Yeah, I don't trust Donovan Edwards this week. Um, a lot of his production against Penn State came in garbage time. I mean, they control, not garbage time, but like kind of effectively garbage time, like not on the scoreboard, scoreboard port per se, but like, they dominated that first half, and Dom and Edwards just kind of went ham. So I don't really trust him. I, I'm going to go with Mario Williams, regardless of whether or not he is uh, he's healthy or – I mean, not he's healthy. Jordan Addison is healthy. I don't really care. I mean, they're going to score like 50 points this week, so there's room for everybody to eat. 
Yeah, I, I yeah, I actually don't really see much of a problem with that. Again, the Michigan Michigan State game is definitely has a lower total, less opportunities for Donovan Edwards. So even if, even if he does have an increased workload to find the end zone, uh, and especially if Blake Corum, if they do want to lean into that Heisman campaign a little bit, definitely going to incentivize getting him more touchdowns than Donovan Edwards for sure. Versus Mario Williams, like again. He has been a rock-solid number two for this USC offense. And like you said, if they're scoring 50 points, that leaves plenty, plenty of room for Mario Williams to find the end zone this week. I think even though I typically lean towards running backs in non-PPR situations at the flex position, I would probably lean Mario here just a little bit. Next one up, we got another three-way here. This one comes to us from Mr. Morace. This actually comes from the BTR Discord, so appreciate them for letting us post our sit-start tweet over there. Half PPR League, this involves Mr. Cameron Peoples, the running back at Appalachian State. He's going up against an FCS opponent this week called Robert Morris. Or we can go with Malachi Thomas, the running back out of Virginia Tech, going up against NC State this week. Or... We can go with Isaiah Winstead, running or wide, excuse me, wide receiver, out of East Carolina, going up against BYU. Uh, do you want me to take this one first, Chris, or you want to take it first? You can go. All right. Um, I think I'm gonna roll with Winstead here. At PPR helps the wide receivers just a little bit, but he's been seeing a 12 target per game over the last three games. BYU's passing defense is currently 53rd in the country, so that's not fantastic, but it's not anything that I am shaking in my boots about. East Carolina's kind of shown, for the most part, they want to be a pass-first team. Obviously, having Keaton Mitchell back helps them in the running game, but they clearly love to throw the ball around. And Isaiah Winstead, even though he's not been that guy that has been getting consistent touchdowns week in and week out, you have to think the regression is coming for him to pick up a few touchdowns here down the road with the volume that he has been getting in these games. Thomas and Peoples definitely have some great arguments here. Malachi Thomas coming off of injury last two games. He has seen 14 touches per game in two games that he's now started. He also has some target volume to go along with him. He has been seeing six targets per game over the last two games, so you definitely like that. He's got a touchdown in each of the last two games, one on the ground, one through the air. However, he is going up against a pretty good NC State rushing defense, so I am a little concerned that he is not going to be as successful as he has been in the last couple of weeks in terms of getting a good performance for you. I think it's possible you could see him get around only 10 points rather than the 16, 17, 18 points that he has been getting. And then Peoples... If Noel is injured, Nate Noel is injured, I am starting Cameron Peoples out of this bunch. I just don't know what's going on with Nate Noel over there. But it's clear that when Nate Noel is out, Peoples becomes that dude for Appalachian State. Last week he had 23 touches and went off for multiple touchdowns. Obviously a very good game there. The other part of it, though, is that we've seen Appalachian State go up against a lesser opponent this year already, an FCS opponent. And in that game, rather than letting their running backs eat, they let Chase Bryce throw it all over the yards, and he monopolized the touchdowns rather than the running backs. So I'm a little concerned there. I think I'm still going to roll with Winstead, though. Mox, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm not playing Malachi Thomas this week. 
SC State's front seven is too good. Their linebackers are the best group in the country. Uh, I don't like the game script for them either. I don't think that team's very good. Um, Peoples is 100% the play if Nate Noel does not start. Yes, I think we both agree. Uh, Yeah, Robert Morris is awful. They're like a really, really bad team. They're really bad by bad. FCS standards. Yeah, like they're they have not one game this year bad, uh, and they got crushed by I think Miami of Ohio earlier this year. Yeah, was not close. Um, I'm gonna go with Isaiah Winstead as well because I think ECU is gonna be able to play a pretty good game in Provo, and I don't like this passing defense. They rank 110th in uh, explosiveness, so I think Isaiah Winstead could have a really good game. But if Again, Nate Noel does not play. I will be playing Cameron Peoples instead because I just think he's gonna like you can have five carries and hit what you're what you want. Like that's how bad this defense is. God, get get ugly very quickly for the Robert, for the fighting Robert Morris's. Moving on to tight ends here, we got two tight end questions. First one here comes to us from once again benjamin jacob again you guys he he knows where to ask the questions he knows what positions he looks down in the comment section and says hey there's not a lot of tight end questions let me ask a tight end question to guarantee myself a spot in the show that's what he did here and he gave us two of the newer bloods i would say in the tight end verse in terms of cff right now these are the more popular names popping up he has mr princeton fant the uh, tight end running back hybrid out of Tennessee. He's going up against Kentucky this week. Or do we go with Brevin Spanford, the the tight end out of Minnesota, going up against Rutgers this week? I'll go first on this one and let you have the next one there, Mox. To me, this one is pretty easily Spanford. He has become the number one wide receiver, the number one receiving option for this Minnesota offense. They don't pass the ball a whole ton, and when they do, it seems to kind of go span Ford's way. Without Chris Altman Bell, they don't have a major wide receiver threat, and so he's kind of stepped up in that place. He has been seeing uh, 6.67 targets per game over the last three games. He is going up against Rutgers passing defense, which is currently 23rd in the country in terms of passing guards allowed per game. However, I think that Minnesota is a good enough team to, good enough team to overcome that and they should be able to get Brevin Ford or Brevin Spanford the work that you want. And that comes over to Fant over here. I suggested him as a waiver wire pickup this past week and really I should have done Spanford. That was a brain fart on my part. He should have been your number 1 tight end option off the waiver wire this week in my opinion. Princeton Fant is more fun than he is a good asset, if that makes any sense. Again, it is fun that Tennessee has started using him a lot along the goal line to get that one extra yard, and that's great. But in terms of actual workload as a tight end, he's usually seeing around two to three targets per game. And how how long can Tennessee keep pulling that trick out of their bag before people know what's up and suddenly Fant's touchdown opportunities go away because they can't do that anymore? I would roll with Brevin Span forward here. Mox, what are you thinking? Yeah, no argument. Uh, Fan has three carries and three touchdowns. That's not really sustainable. He also threw a touchdown pass last week, like a 60-yard touchdown. So that probably makes his fantasy line look a little bit better than you think it might. Uh, I, forgot. I keep I'm forgetting going, about that. Yeah, I'll go with Span forward. Four straight games, six plus targets, 20 in his last three. Uh, he's just getting more volume, just a lot more reliable. Yeah. You want guys where 
no matter what, the offense is going to turn to them in order to keep things moving. Fant is more of a cherry on top for this Tennessee offense. Spanford is a necessity as a receiving option for the Golden Gophers moving forward. Otherwise, teams can just stack the box and they have to they have to pass somebody, and Ford has been that option. Next up here, sorry, Mox, I gave you the hard one to start off with, but this one comes to us from Drew B. Shout out to Drew B. again. Once again, same thing as Benjamin Jacob. They know where to ask the questions. He is asking about Seydou Traore, the tight end out of Arkansas State, going up against South Alabama this week. Or he could go with Ryan Jones, the tight end out of East Carolina, going up against BYU. Mox, which way are you going, buddy? This was the hardest question on the sheet, in my opinion. Um because I think both these tight ends are pretty involved in going against a pretty bad defense. I'm going to go with Ryan Jones. And the reason I'm going to go with Ryan Jones, because I don't think James Blackman is going to play this week for Arkansas state. And if James Blackman doesn't play, I'm not really interested in this offense. Uh, and I, it's not like a, I'm pretty sure he won't play. Mm-hmm. And even if he does play, I like, I, I talked about how I like this ECU offense in Provo this week. I think they could put up some points. They didn't kill in this game outright. BYU's defense is terrible. Ryan Jones has kind of proven himself to be a pretty good option for Holton Allers. Give me the pirate in Ryan Jones. I am going to go with Ryan Jones, whether James Blackman starts or not. Mostly due to the potential of volume for Ryan Jones. He is he is seeing slightly more targets per game over the last three games than Treori has been seeing. Jones has seen 5.67 targets per game in the last three games. Treori has seen five targets per game. Now, Treori's better about actually reeling them in than Ryan Jones in is. But also, we have seen upside games for Jones of 9 to 10 targets. Like you said, Moxie's going up against that BYU defense, which is basically deteriorating week after week at this point. I think they're getting... They're currently 53rd in pass passing yards per game allowed. I think that's going to get worse as the week by week goes on. They seem to be falling apart. I think I will just go with Ryan Jones. I'm also going to go with the team that's in the higher total. I do believe that, but I, I can't, I'll have to double check this, but I believe that East Carolina BYU game has a higher total than the South Alabama Arkansas State game. So yeah, more scoring opportunities for Ryan Jones there. They are not afraid to use him when they get down near the goal line. Yeah, it's the total in that game is 50. Our total in the Arkansas State game is 55 and a half. Okay. So at least a touchdown of difference. Yeah. So more opportunities for Jones. I probably roll with him. Alrighty. That does it for our sit start discussion. I think it is time to move on over to some of these high scoring matchups. Once again, it was difficult for us to narrow this down to only five games. Let's go ahead and start off with our first over un- high over-under game here. Two ACC teams, one top 10, one not. But got an over-under 62.5. The favorite team favorited only by 4.5 points, so both teams expected to put up points here. It is Wake Forest against Louisville. I think it is clear that... You start quarterbacks here. You start Sam Hartman. You stand, You start Malik Cunningham. No worries about that whatsoever with either one of those guys. The debate truly does come down to who do you start as their weapons? Because neither one of these teams 
have really settled in on one or two guys as a go-to option week in and week out. So really, Mox, who do you go to in this game in terms of skill positions? Yeah, so this is a pretty interesting game. I think that you can start uh, Banks and Perry for in the way wide receiver room. I don't really want to roll with Morin or Donovan Green. Uh, on the other side of the matchup, I think that you can start Tyler Hudson, who's kind of emerged as the wide receiver one there, and has been pretty decent, the uh, FCS transfer. I don't want to start Amari Huggins-Bruce if I don't have to. Uh, I mean, with bye weeks, you might have to, but I, I definitely don't want to. And then Marshawn Ford's kind of been a disappointment for me this year. So, yeah. again, if you're desperate, you can, but I'm, I'm not looking to. And then I don't really want to roll any of the running backs out in this matchup. Uh, yeah, I definitely don't want to. And I, I think they said Evans is already out. I'm not. I, again, don't quote me on that. Definitely go do your own research on that. But I think they said Evans might be out on this one again. Um, I might be just thinking of last week. And then I agree with you on the wake side. I'd I'd roll with Banks. I'd roll with Perry. I'm not super comfortable with either one of the other any of the other guys like Green or Morin. I think those are desperation plays. If you literally have nothing else and like that's all you. That's the only value you see on the waiver wire for you to pick up this week and just to plug it into your lineup for one week. I think you can work with that. I'd stay away from Amari and Huggins-Bruce for the most part. He's coming off of injury. He'll be back for the first time this week. Don't know how often they're going to rely on him. If you have to play a Louisville wide receiver, definitely would roll with Tyler Hudson there. Um, and again, same thing with Marshawn Ford. He's definitely been a disappointment. What, what tight end is he on the year? Let me look it up real quick because he's not been very good. He is uh, tight end 36, so not as bad as I thought, but even still, like considering the draft capital that he was getting, he was being drafted as the... Let me look at my stats real quick. I did not write down what he was being drafted at. But regardless, he was he was a top six, top five tight end, and he has had one double-digit performance. And he did have... He did it this last game. He had 9.7 points, so almost double-digit. But regardless... That's pretty much what he's hanging his hat on. Otherwise, he's had a outside a top 60 tight end performance week in and week out, and that's just not something you want to see. I would not roll with him. Um, again, the running backs, I'm not, I'm not touching. So I agree with you wholeheartedly on this game, Mox. So let's go ahead and roll on to our second game here. And we're going to go to the AAC here. Good old-fashioned AAC matchup over-under on this game. Or it is SMU at Tulsa. Over-under on this game, 67.5. SMU only favored by 2.5 points. Moxley, pick a team and let me know who you are starting from that team. All right, I'm going to go with SMU, which I, well, I think both these sides are kind of easier to diagnose. I think Preston Stone earned himself the start, but even if he didn't, Mordecai I'm didn't roll. With... Mordecai was not seen with the ones or the twos at practice this week so far. Okay, so I'm assuming Stone starts. I'll start him, even if it's Mordecai. I'll start him as well. I think we can match up. Uh, Kamar Wheaton might be back from the dead, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trey Siggers is hurt, and I don't remember if he's out for the year, but he's I think out for an extended period at least. Yeah. So I kind of am a little interested in Kamarwi, and I'm not ready to start him, but I'm definitely keeping tabs on him. Rasheed Rice, a little banged up, didn't have his best A performance last week, but I think he, he'll he be good this week. He hasn't had uh, 
good performance in a little bit here. Yeah, they've had some weird game scripts and matchups. I, I, I still think you got to start them, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And then I think you start Curly, and I think you start Mar- RJ Maryland, who's the, the tight end. He's emerged uh, recently, had a great game last week, and he's been involved in a lot of explosive plays. So I think if you're, again, if you're desperate, RJ Maryland's a guy that you can start. He's a true freshman. I mean, really talented guy. Oh, yeah. Big fish, small pond. He was a four-star tight end. A lot of people kind of keyed in on that, said, hey, Mer- or, um, uh, Lashley's loved to use the tight end in the past. Look at guys like, um, God, who was the, who was the tight end a couple of years? Uh, Granson. Um, uh, Kyle Granson uh, did pretty well for SMU a couple of years ago. So he clearly loves to use tight ends. And you get a guy like RJ Maryland with that level of talent, definitely somebody to keep an eye on over the last couple of weeks or next couple of years. Rashi Rice, again, I, I just confirmed my suspicions. He started off the season with three top 20 performances at wide receiver. Uh, he His best performance since then has been wide receiver 51. So he has been... It has been a rough stretch for Rushy Rice owners uh, these last five weeks. Now, granted, one of them was a bye, so, like, not going to hate on him for that, but, like... And he, he's been a little banged up, too. Like, he exited the game, and he hasn't been totally healthy, so I think there's mm-hmm. some stuff there that's that's casting doubt on the performance i mean i i still think you start him personally yeah and then i agree curly is definitely the guy i look to if you're looking for the wide receiver too for smu at this point it was going to be jake bailey there for a while but now he's out for the year which really sucks i think he he could have been a really good sneaky play for a lot of people down the line curly's not as good in my eyes but he is definitely somebody who's starting to emerge there uh and then you already talked about rj maryland tulsa side of things Brent Sanity, I think Brent Sanity is back on track in this game. Again, started off the year really, really well. Since then, it's kind of fallen off a little bit. Tulsa hasn't been quite as dominant on offense. But, um, Daneric Prince, man, he had himself a game last week. 20 carries, 231 yards, and a touchdown, along with two receptions for 21 yards and a touchdown last week. Tulsa showed if they if they need to run the ball, Prince is their guy. So if you're again if you're desperate and you're looking for somebody to just have the upside possible, Prince might be your guy. And then at wide receiver, I think Stokes and Juan Carlos Santana are your two main guys that you kind of look around for. But I won't completely discount guys like Malachi Jones and who's the other one? Is it Epps? No, BYU's player is Epps. Yeah, Isaiah I Isaiah Epps. I think those are those are desperation play guys. Like again, if you're if you're in a really deep league and you're just looking for somebody that might score a touchdown in this high scoring game, those are guys you look at. But if you want safer plays, Keelan Stokes and Juan Carlos Santana are the guys right there. Anybody else you can think of there, Mux? No, those I I don't think I would mess around with any of the deeper guys unless you like really need a dart throw. I just roll with Stokes and JC Santana, man. Like, yeah, they're they're solid. Yeah, definitely. the The order at that wide receiver room is Stokes, Santana. I probably then go Jones, and then I probably would go Epps. Yeah. So. All right, moving on to the next one here. You know, it strikes me, Mox. Like, I kind of went back and looked. We have we have talked about high scoring games over and over and over again this year, and I don't think we have talked about the Western Kentucky offense so far this year. I think it's just kind of either we they just kind of ended up on the cutting room floor in terms of high, high scoring matchups or they just haven't had super high over under matchups recently, but that's not the case this week. They're going up against North Texas. 
Western Kentucky, the 10-point favorite here, an over-under of 70. So got a 70 bomber here. Chris Moxley, actually, no, it's my turn to start here. So I'm going to start with the easy one here. I'm going to go Western Kentucky. Um, obviously, Austin Reed is the start here. I think he's one of the best starts that you can play this week. If I was still doing CFF weekly rankings, I'm sorry, y'all haven't had time to keep up with that. Reed would probably be in like my top three, like top three if, if at worst, top five. In terms of QB plays this week, I think he absolutely lights it up this week. Guys like Cor- uh, Malachi Corley, Daywood Davis absolutely should be in your starting lineups. No reason to keep them on the bench this week. Um, and then you got their two running backs who have kind of come along a little bit. Western Kentucky a little bit more willing to run the ball effectively this year. Point Dexter and Sanders have both been pretty effective there. I don't know if I was would be super excited to start either one of those guys, but again, if it's bye week hell, so if you're desperate for some running back that are in a high scoring game, they're probably going to get some goal line opportunities. Those are probably your guys right there. I'll ask you this, Mox. Again, we have other options at wide receiver, into including uh, Michael Matheson and Jalen Hall. Either one of those guys, somebody that you'd be willing to take a dart throw on, or the tight end, Joshua Simon or um, Dalvin Smith. Either one, any of those guys sound like dart throws you'd be willing to take? I'd prefer not to. And if I did, it'd probably be Jalen Hall or Michael Matheson. They've kind of like rotated their weeks between the two. I think last week was like more of a Matheson week. But uh, Jalen Hall was definitely involved more early. So I prefer not to play either guy. I just want to keep it with like the big three on that team, which is Reed Corley Davis. Yeah. And then tell me about North Texas again this week. Seems like it seems like there might be some settling down in that wide receiver room in terms of who we can rely on. So what do you think? Yeah. Uh, Austin Anis kind of outperformed expectations for me kind of all year long, actually putting it together maybe a little bit at his age 74 season. Uh, I don't want any of the running backs. I will not play any of the running backs. I will not mess around with any of the running backs. Don't even think about it. Uh, Roderick Burns, who was a guy uh, I was a big fan of in the preseason, kind of had like an up and down start, but he had a big week last week. I think he went six for 138. He's a guy that I'm on. I think you can start him in this type of matchup. Jair Shorter's also interesting. Um, he's They're definitely the ones in the twos. Um, and then a guy that we talked about actually last week too. Yep. Said this is a guy we want to play. Uh, definitely emerging option. Varkis Gums, yep. who went I think three ninety two and one last week. So pat ourselves in the back for for being gum stands. Yep. He but, has uh, had two top ten tight end performance weekly performances over the last two weeks. So definitely a guy that is on fire right now. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think you can start him absolutely. Uh, but honestly, it's just those those three guys: it's Ani, Burns, Shorter, and Gums. Uh, it's not a, both these teams are kind of siloed in uh, their production. Like it's pretty narrow. But that's what you want when you're when you have these. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Again, it, unfortunately, it doesn't leave a lot of room for grabbing guys off the waiver wire. Although I think you can go like the North Texas guys, especially. You can definitely. I think grab and fi- like find off the waiver because I don't know a ton of people who are just holding on to Roderick Burns or Jair Shorter, just waiting for them to fully break out. I think a lot of people, have, if they did have them on the roster, probably gave up on them and were okay with missing out on one or two decent performances. Because I just looked and Jair Shorter is currently the 
wide receiver 103 last or of the year so far. But he has had his best performance came in week five when he had a top 16 wide receiver performance. So obviously upside there and in the right matchup, he's great. And then Roderick Burns has seen wide receiver 43 just this past week. So he 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 can show that he can be a pretty good option for you as well. Um, it's just which one do you get this week? So we'll definitely see. Mike, Mike, get, Mike get all three of them with a total of seven and a half. Exactly. So that, and that's what you want. And that's why we discuss these games. Moving on out west to the Pac-12, just an insane over/under here. I try to keep games that are less than two touchdowns on the spread, so that we can say definitively that both teams are going to have opportunity to to score. But when you have an over/under of seventy-six going into this game, it's hard. It, it the the over/under pretty much goes out the window uh, unless you got something insane. It's USC at Arizona. USC, a 15.5 point favorite. Like I said, 76 is our over-under here. So that pretty much means that they are expecting... Let me do some quick math real quick. By is that 48.5 points from USC? Yeah, and then right. and then if you... Let's do 7.5. And then right around 30 points for Arizona. So both these teams are going to put up points this week, okay. effectively. Like, that, like that's, that's what they're going to tell us here. So... Uh, Mox, which side do you want to take here? USC or Arizona? Um, give me Arizona. Uh, I think you start Jane DeLorean. I think you start his three big wide receivers. Jacob Cowing, Tet McMillan, yep. Dorian Singer. Yes. Uh, all three have kind of emerged as legitimate startable options uh, week in and week out. So I'm not really going to fault anybody who wants to be playing some of these guys for sure. Uh, I go back and forth on whether or not I want to play anybody else. I think you can, but I definitely think it would be a dart throw. Um, gonna... but those four, I, I think, are definitely interesting. I'm looking up one player real quick that I just want to check on. Where are you? There you are. Um, what about the tight end, Tanner McLaughlin? He has been seeing yeah, I... pretty decent work over the last couple of weeks. Been seeing around uh, anywhere from four to seven targets pretty much in the last six weeks. Yeah, I've ranked him pretty high. I think he's been top 15 option every week for me. Um, USC's honestly been okay against the tight end, which concerns me a little bit. Okay. And But, I mean, their passing defense overall is pretty bad. So, I mean, if you, you could do worse certainly than McLaughlin. And then you're just not on any of the running backs here, even Jonah Coleman now kind of taking that RB1 job. I don't... I, I'm even though USC's running back or USC's rushing defense isn't all that great? I'm not convinced that it's not going to still be a little bit of a split. Okay. But, I mean, Coleman's definitely... He still only has one game over double-digit carries, right? Like, I think he's one game. Yeah. I don't have it in front of me. Uh, I'm, like, I'm, I'm he, pulling it up right now. He's emerged insofar that like he had a game of double digit carries in a blowout, I think, last week. But before that, he I don't think he'd hit more uh, than 10. T- t- 10 point loss to Washington isn't really much of a blowout, but he had 14 carries versus uh, DJ Williams had six. So, but that all, Michael Wiley was also out. So, yeah, if Michael Wiley plays, he probably is getting relegated a little bit. So, Wiley's the RB1 there for sh- still. Yeah. Coleman's getting there. I think. True freshman. Yeah. Speaking of true freshman galore, I think we can move on to our final game we'll talk about here. And I, I, I did, by the way, I did figure out 
we got our five games, so we'll give you all the honorable mentions here in a little bit. Pittsburgh at UNC. We've been joking about it all season long. When you have a team going up against UNC's defense, you got to play the guys that are coming out of it. And for Pittsburgh, that pretty much leaves us with very little options here. So, Mox, where are you, what, what guys are you starting in this game? You going Pittsburgh or you going UNC here? Um, I'll go UNC. They're my neck of the woods. And so I'll... Uh... Keep it local. Obviously, start Drake May. No question about no it. No question. Top five quarterback in the country, period. Fantasy, probably as well. I feel like a points per game. Uh, I don't honestly think you can start a running back on this team right now. No. There's just so much rotation going on. I'm not going to play with fire. Josh Downs, of course you start. Uh, electric receiver. I think Antoine Green has worked himself into the wide receiver two role there. So I think he's startable, especially in this... 63 and a half point spread. Bryson Nesbitt was really good at the beginning of the season. I think he's faded. Kamar Morales has kind of done the same. I think as uh, May has gotten a little more comfortable, he's been able to go outside more and not rely on the tight ends as much. Mm-hmm. So I think he, the only players you really want to start are May Downs and Antoine Green. I mean, you could play Nesbitt, don't get me wrong, but he has, hasn't been as good recently, in my opinion. No, he hasn't. Again, he has a combined score of 6.2 fantasy points over the last three weeks. So he has yeah. definitely been, like like you said, he is just no longer a, a major part of that passing game. So I would definitely caution playing him there. Pretty easy on the Pittsburgh side. Obviously, Izzy all day long here. Izzy at Anaconda. He is a clear RB1 now. I don't care if Rodney Hammond comes back this week or not. I haven't heard anything like regarding that. Doesn't matter to me. Izzy, I think there's no way they're taking that job away from him at this point. Jared Wayne without um, Kanata Mumfield there definitely kind of monopolizes the targets a little bit more, even though, again, we have Slovis listed here. I don't think I'd... I don't I wouldn't start, I, I wouldn't I don't. start him. The only reason I listed him was because UNC ranks 121st and passed. I'm, I'm going to say, I'm like, he is the perfect guy of like, if he's going to go off one week, this is the week you can kind of trust him to do it because of just how terrible North Carolina's defense is. But man, I don't want to trust that. I do trust Jared Wayne. Jared Wayne's a pretty good wide receiver there. So if they do have a good day through the air, Jared Wayne's going to be a big part of that. And Gavin Bartholomew, man, he has been very much a disappointment for the most part this year he's tight end 38 so far this year but man they're just not getting him the ball like i really want him to he's only had one double digit performance so far this year in a half ppr format i'd say again if he's gonna this is the kind of matchup where it's just a good matchup if he's gonna do well this is the game that you would expect him to do in so if you're struggling at tight end and you see Bartholomew staring at you there on the waiver wire, this is probably the game that you pick him up, start him for a week, and then see if you want to keep him around or not. Here, Here's the issue. Slopes had two games over 200 yards the whole season. So, like, <sighs> yeah, three, he had 305 against Georgia Tech, which, Georgia Tech, and then 308 against West Virginia the first week of the year, kind of just blitzed him a little bit yeah um but outside of that i mean 158 170 189 195 there's not a lot of volume to go around for these guys he stinks bottom line he stinks so, yeah keaton slovis stinks all the truthers out there were just loving on keaton slovis this offseason 
I'm glad you got to be exposed. The 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 hindsight of that entire situation is so funny because like I was one of the guys where like people would say like oh he beat out JT Daniels like that shows how good he is I'm like well did he really beat out JT Daniels JT Daniels got hurt and then Clay Helton being the smart coach that he is just decided like oh no we can't mess with the rhythm of the offense even though there's been an entire off season to fix that that's where JT Daniels leaves the program finally so. I guess Slovis beat him out, but at the same time, like I was like, well, I still think JT Daniels is a much better quarterback. We're now seeing that JT Daniels, especially after all the injuries he's had, just isn't as good of a quarterback as he used to be. So even if you did believe that Slovis beat him out, what did he really beat out at this point? And then Jackson Dart overtakes Slovis during his season, which I kind I I saw Slovis not doing well that season. I avoided him like the plague in 2021. While people were drafting him in like the fifth, sixth round, I was I was not a part of that, and now he's at Pittsburgh and now he sinks. So everybody's happy, I guess. I don't know. I'm happy. Oh, I'm, happy. I'm not happy. I I feel bad for Keaton Slovis because he had so much hype, but like it was kind of obvious he wasn't that good. No, I just didn't understand what people were watching, to be honest. So mm-hmm. not to not to dunk too much, but. I think we should have seen this coming a little bit. The the victory lapping's next week, Mox. We'll like, join us on the Sunday show, and we'll, we'll or on the Monday show. We'll we'll get we'll do some victory lapping together. Um, right. couple honorable mention games. This we're not going to go into a deep dive here. Just go ahead and throw these out for you guys for you to do your own research and see which players that you like in these matchups. We talked about it a little bit already. TCU versus West Virginia. We've already talked about a couple of the players there. Uh, Over-under in that game is 69, I believe. So, nice. Got Baylor at Texas Tech. Over-under in that game, 61.5. Uh, very very close game expected there. T- Texas Tech only a 2.5 point favorite. Arkansas at Auburn. Some SEC teams to take advantage of there. Over-under of 61.5. East Carolina versus BYU. Over-under of 61 there. BYU only favored by 3.5. Both teams expected to probably cross the thirty yard or the thirty point margin you would expect, and then Stanford at UCLA, high spread game. UCLA favored by sixteen and a half, but the over under is sixty three and a half as well. So once again, you're probably looking at both teams going over twenty five points. UCLA probably hitting forty. So definitely take a look at some of the players you like there. With that being said, I do believe. That is the end of our show. Chris Moxley, you have been absolutely awesome. Had a lot of great discussion tonight. Really appreciate you guys tuning in and sending us your questions for sit starts. My apologies, y'all. I feel like I got a little too mean with some of your questions tonight and shaming y'all for not giving us a lot of questions. So my apologies for those of you who are still listening and weren't mad at me. So quick apologies there. Uh, But regardless, make sure you check out all the other awesome content we got here at campusofkenton.com. Oh my god, as I say that, I never gave my spiel. Oh, I feel so bad. Real quick, if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you like, comment, and subscribe. If you're watching, listening to this on podcast, make, make sure you follow us, leave the five-star reviews, whether they be written or just a five-star review, and check out all of our awesome content at campusofkenton.com. Plenty of podcasts, plenty of articles for you guys. If you're playing in a CFF, C2C, or a Debbie Leagues, we got everything for you. Go check it all out. With that being said, Chris Moxley, do you want to tease anything before we get out of here, sir? Yeah, I just want to make sure that everyone is paying attention to the giveaways that are happening over at Camps Can. 
We have three jerseys that we're giving away. Bijan Robinson, Jeff Smith, and Jigba, Jordan Addison, all signed authentic jerseys. We There are three ways to enter. One is to leave a great interview on the C2C podcast feed. I don't care what it says. You can say whatever you want as long as you leave one. Uh, give us five stars, though. Make sure that you're subscribed, of course. Um, the other is to sign up for prospects using promo code C2C. Yep. You can get a $100 match, which is, is pretty slick, and you get it. $29.99 towards a Camp Scanton membership. Very cool. I'm not sure a lot of other places are doing that. And then finally, you can call into our Better Sports Network show. Make sure that you download the app. We are live 8 to 10 on Sunday. So there are three different ways to enter. You can get three different opportunities and hopefully win one of these jerseys. Yeah, guys, as Mox just laid it out there, three very easy ways to enter. And again, there, there's a pretty good there's a pretty good chance that you could end up with at least one of those jerseys so absolutely go do that right now real quick all of those take less than a couple of minutes to do and you could win a very awesome jersey again remind me which players were given out i know addison's one which other two are we doing uh jackson smith and jigba and Bijan robinson oh you know just just some dudes um it's just some dudes Regardless, again, you guys have been awesome. Really appreciate you guys tuning in, and we will see you guys next week. Hopefully, we can all make it through the bye week hell this week. So, appreciate you guys, and y'all have a wonderful and blessed day.